Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And today is going to be uh, the first part of two episodes dropping today because it's a night game. So you're going to have a lot of time before the game. Burn some of that time by listening to Locked On Wolfpack. And today's episode is brought to you by the great folks over at betonline.net. Uh, Bet Online has you covered with this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today, we're going to conclude the breakdown of position group by position group, and we're going to talk about the skill guys, the little guys, the fast guys, the guys on the outside, all of that good stuff. Okay. We're going to talk uh, the receiving cores, corners, safeties, all that for both teams. And these are two teams that I think mirror each other in certain ways but couldn't be more parallel opposites and others so we'll get into all that and more on today's episode of locked on wolfpack you are locked on wolfpack your daily podcast on the nc state wolfpack part of the locked on podcast network your team every day So, folks, when I look at these two teams, again, I'm always going to start with the uh, opposition because we know what we have. We know who our guys are for the most part, but we're still going to talk about them at some point in time anyway. So we start off with the receiving core of Texas Tech. This is a very young, very new, very unproven receiving core. They have not, in losing their top two pass catchers from last year, that hurts in a way that is not familiar to um, a Texas Tech team, again, to the the Mike Lee's disciples and all that, because normally there is a good amount of production returning no matter what's happening, at least at the receiver spot, right? Like at the receiver spot, you rarely ever hear about air raid teams having to uh, more so reload than rebuild that room or rebuild than reload rather, because that's just how it is. You always keep a couple, boom, boom, drop some new shells in that thing. You keep it rolling. That's not what we're looking at here. This is a, again, a Texas Tech uh, receiving court. They have some ball players now. They have some big imposing bodies. They have some guys that are, you know, they're, they're, they're ball players. But these are very unproven guys. These are guys that you look at them and you say, okay, they can be this. It is possible that they become this, but it's not a guarantee. Like, that's just the, the reality of what you're looking at there. Um, and, you know, you're looking at uh, guys like Jaron Brandley, and um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I want to say it's Loyick. Uh, that guys like that, Trey Cleveland, all that good stuff. You're looking at guys on the outside who they have played some ball. They have not played uh, or they have not shown me at a high level that like, hey, these are guys that you need to be worried about. These are guys that I don't care what anybody says. You you need to have this one circled and say, if we can stop him, we'll be OK. I'm not sure about that. I'm just not. I'm sorry. That's just the reality of what I'm looking at. In terms of looking at this Red Raider um, offensive attack as far as the receivers go, with that being said, this is a game where it is possible that stars are made. And and so that's what I want to see more than anything else. And we're going to get into Ken's keys um, a little later here. But that's one of the things that I, I really don't want to see because – Yes, these guys are improving, so make them look like that. Our defensive backfield is very experienced. 
very experienced. I'm going to get into what they look like and, and who they are a little later as well. But the reality is when I'm talking about what you cannot have in this game, when I look at this receiving core, I cannot look at this and say, this guy having a big game is expected and we can live with that. No, nobody should be. We should not be expecting anybody to go off for any type of crazy numbers in this game. So that that's just my assessment of their receiving room. Very young, very unproven. Again, they've got some guys. They've got some ball players. They've got some guys who are obviously uh, going to be doing some positive things for their team. They've got some guys who are uh, big body receivers and all that. And they've got some outside receivers that are, are going to be um, a little bit of a problem if, of course, our our defenders break down on their fundamentals and are not are looking in the backfield, not playing the ball properly. We've seen it before. We've seen panic at the moment of truth and all that. If those things happen, of course, it will lead to somebody having a big game. But I'm saying what I've seen out of this receiving core, I can't tell you with a straight face like, hey, I expect them to put up wild numbers. I expect it is something that is is already like this is something that I, I think I've already got marked down as far as like, hey, they're going to do this thing and, and there's nothing else you can do about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And if I'm wrong at the end of this game, I'll accept that. But I I would have a hard time. And when I say a hard time, I mean a very hard time looking at this group and saying, well, it made sense that they dominated this game. It made sense that they took over this game. Come on. Come on. You're, you, you'd you have to tell that lie to somebody who'd uh, believe it because it's not me. I'm going to just let you know that now. It's, it's not me that would uh, believe that, oh, yeah, this these receivers, they were primed for it. They were – no. No. I'm sorry. And now, talking about NC State's receiving core, of course, you've got, um, you've got guys that we looked at in terms of Thayer Thomas that – He's been here for forever, and he's done everything that he's supposed to do. He is always, always, always finding a way to get open. He is a he's an excellent athlete, obviously a two-sport athlete, came in playing baseball and all that. But he is he feels like Devin Leary's safety blanket. He feels like the guy that Devin Leary feels comfortable going to in any situation, and rightfully so. He's a like I already talked about, great athlete good understanding of the game, knows how to get open, and has some freakish athletic plays, right? The, the play against Boston College last year, if you tell me that that's not a freaky athletic play, I would ask you, how many guys have we seen in college make that type of play in, in terms of the uh, the catch that he made and then the, the run after the catch? And, of course, that pales in comparison a little bit to some of the things Devin Carter has done athletically, but the difference is, Thayer Thomas is also more consistent, more reliable, less focused drops and things along those lines. So that's what we're looking at there. And then I've already mentioned them, but Devin Carter is another guy that you're expecting to have a big time game here against outside corners that have struggled mightily so far this season that have been an Achilles heel of this Texas Tech team for some time. A big body guy, high points the ball well, makes the spectacular catch. The only issue has been the concentration, but even with that, even with that, how many times have we seen receivers who struggle with drop problems, struggle with drop problems, and then all of a sudden there's just a year where it seems like it clicks. They don't drop the ball no more, and all of a sudden you're getting all that great run after catch. You're getting all that big, strong physicality. You're getting all of the if he's even, he's leaving speed combined with the consistency. And even beyond him, you have young guys who are stepping up, like Anthony Smith, 
a guy who I've been beating on the table about for forever said, this guy has it. The it factor, it's, it's something that you cannot quantify. You cannot exactly put your finger on it, but you know it when you see it. And I know every time I'm watching Anthony Smith on that field, you got to watch him. When he's on that field, I don't care what's going on, you got to watch him. Keon Lusane is another guy making some plays this year, doing some good things for us already. Now, Porter Rooks is a very interesting case because we got him over some of the top programs in the nation. We know about the speed. We know about um, his his ability to make plays with the ball in his hands after the catch. It feels like we need to find more ways to get him the ball, a lot like we do with Julian Gray. I mean, that's that it's 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 a lot. We find ways to get Julian Gray the ball, and, and he makes good things happen. I think that we need to find ways to force feed it to uh, Porter Rooks as well because that they're both, I think, cut from a similar cloth. I think cut from a very similar cloth in terms of what they can do with the ball in their hands. So I'd love to see that happen um, a little bit more. And in this game, I'm counting on Devin Leary to look more sharp and crisp than we saw in the game against um, in the game against ECU. So with that being said, in terms of receiver room, the edge in this one to me, pretty decidedly, I think NC State takes that edge. With that being said, again, Texas Tech does have some ball players now. So don't don't say that I told you that this was supposed to be a, a runaway uh knockdown drag. We were supposed to win this game by 100. They do have some ball players. They do have some ball players, okay? I talked about Jerry Brandley earlier. The man is 6'5", 220. Now, if you watch the uh, Louisville-Florida State game tonight, you see what happens when big-body receivers go against not-so-big corners. Yeah, it can be tough sometimes. It can be real tough on those corners uh, sometimes. But then again, I'm not sure if uh, Brand has exactly the speed that Wilson has. But that's another story for another time. The reality is, again, Texas Tech has some ball players, But they have not proven enough to me to say – this should be, if I'm going man for man, top to bottom in these units, this should be a, a, a very close matchup. So I think NC State's uh, wide receivers have a, a very, very sharp edge over the um, over the Texas Tech Red Raider receiver room, who is replacing a lot of folks and all that good stuff. Again, with what I'm with what I've seen, I talked about this in the Charleston Southern game. It felt like this team was just so tight to begin the year because there was so much expected and everybody said, well, this is just, this is just a new reality and all that. The, the reality is this is new. It's a new phenomenon. Anybody who says folks who play football at NC state are used to being ranked in the top 15, being having all these things expected, being predicted to win the conference. Anybody who says, Oh yeah, that's just another day in the office for NC state. They're lying, okay? They are telling an untruth. Last time we were ranked this high coming into a season, Lou Holtz was on the sidelines for NC State, okay? So let's just let's just keep that in mind, all right? I think this team started off the season playing extremely tight. I think that against Charleston Southern, they got a little looser. They just kind of had you just had that feeling of this is ball this is what it's like and don't get me wrong those first two drives against charleston southern offensively were troubling but it felt like they kind of breathed a little bit it kind of 
let let go and let loose. And I'm hoping that that's what happens in this game from the beginning. I, I don't I think that we're good enough or better enough better than Texas Tech to have a drive or two to waste. But I wouldn't want to see it happen. I don't want to see drives wasted just for the sake of wasting drives because that's never a good idea. And, you know, Texas Tech's quarterback, receiver room, all that, all these guys are unproven. But there's a double-edged sword to being unproven. And being unproven, you also don't know what, excuse me, what their weaknesses are. You don't know what do they consistently do poorly. What situations do I force them in that is going to get negative results? So, again, I'm I'm betting on NC State's receivers to have a better game here. But with that being said, um, this is a very unknown commodity in Texas Tech's receiver room so far this season. And speaking of betting, if you're a better, go to betonline.net. BetOnline.net is the play number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs this season. Find all the latest football leagues, developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sport events including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So now we've got to get into the secondaries. We've got to get into these cornerbacks. We've got to get into these safeties. And again, I've talked about uh, my boy Malik Cunningham, who again, I was a huge fan of, man. I I love me big body corners. He he went out and uh, transferred out there to Texas Tech, but I'm going to tell you this. Many of the things that we saw um, out of Malik Cunningham, who is is in a bit more of a reserve role uh, for Texas Tech, you kind of still see him. You kind of still see problems as far as, again, same thing that I talked about with NC State's outside corners for some time now, um, the panicking at the moment of truth, the tightness in the hips somewhat. You know, it's you, you still see some of those things. But it's not just Malik Cunningham on this this uh, in the secondary. And this is why I say that Texas Tech's secondary mirrors NC State's in some ways, right? This is where I said that the, the mirroring effect comes in a little bit. They have the exact same strength and the exact same weakness in terms of the secondary. Those outside corners, oh my, oh my word. They, at times, I mean, eesh, they, they just getting burned, like looking at the back of receivers' heads, just like, you know, they do that a lot. But with that being said, the corners aren't the only ones in that secondary. They have got some ball players back there. Those safeties are the stars of the show. Dadrian Taylor Demerson is a safety that he – so he went into Texas Tech as a running back. He transitioned over to safety and last year had a massive season led the team in interceptions, was close to the lead, I believe, or maybe he led as well in uh, pass breakups, was one of their top tacklers as well. He's a ball hawk that was always around the ball, and and he has ball skills that you would that would make you believe that he was a receiver, but again, he came in as a running back. And then to mirror him, um, the the other safety, I want to say it's, it's Walters, I could be wrong about. Yes, Marquise Walters is the other safety there. He is very similar to a um, what's what's oh lord I I'm he's very similar to a Tanner Eagle maybe not as hard maybe not as hard I'm not not saying that now don't don't nobody say oh I caught Ken in a lie and he said he all I'm saying is 
Walter is another, he's a safety that's good at coming downhill. He's a safety that uh, when asked to, to get in the box and do some things as far as the run game goes, he ain't afraid of it. He is not going to be the guy that shies away from contact. He's not going to be the guy that says, well, I, I just don't know about all of this. Uh, I just don't know about all of this, this hitting nonsense that you're asking me to do. That's not him. I'm telling you, sure as the sun rises on the east and sets on the west, Marquise Waters wants to get into it. He wants to hit. He's a big physical guy. He's a little bit bigger uh, than a little bit bigger than Tanner Eagle. But again, he's he's a, a again definitely a bigger safety, uh, about 6'1, 220. He wants to hit. He wants to hit. When you put him in some cover situations, you're looking at a little uh, situation get a little dicey, get a little, get a little hairy for him, but he loves to hit. And so um, this is what I, I mean in terms of the secondary from Texas Tech is going to be part in showing is going to play a big part in showing us how good actually is Demi Sumo, how good actually is our running game, because these these safeties hit They're They make no bones about it. They are they're OK with getting their nose and messy and getting up into. The, I'm telling you what I've seen on tape. I'm telling you what I've seen. On the tape, these safeties have no problem mixing it up. Uh, and again, a lot like our safeties, but the the outside corners, that is the thing. There has been a steady rotation of corners because while some have performed well at times, there's also been moments where it's just like, what's going on here? What what do we what do we really have going on here? So this is a situation where again they mirror us because talking about our safeties now, Cyrus Fagan, absolute baller. Um, you're looking at uh, Tanner Engel, absolute baller. You're looking at a lot of guys, even if you want to go to Tyler Baker with the, a lot of really good guys in those nickel and in the, the, the safety positions. When we get to the outside corner, you know what I mean? Pitts has played a lot of ball. There's still too many moments where it's just like, what is happening here? What is going on here? How are guys getting open behind you like this? What's, what's happening? So, there, there's going to be, again, this is their secondary, very similar to ours, very good. The, the question for me, the question for me here will very simply be this. Whose corners can hold up the best? Whose outside corners are going to hold up the best? Because while we run different systems, very drastically different systems, we all know the name of the game is the same regardless of how you do it, right? Regardless if you do triple option, regardless if you do air raid, regardless if you do spray and pro style, you name it. The name of the game is get the ball in the end zone. The question then becomes for these corners, how well do you stop the opposing team from doing that and what they want to do? Yeah, NC State is going to throw more deep, uh, going to throw more deep shots and and going to do more of a, a play action, you know, get in the second and short or third and short and then go play action, try to hit a big bomb and all that. yeah. Texas Tech is going to go more wide receiver screen, bubble screen, all that type of stuff, you know, stick routes, all that, the star route, the little stuff, the, the little, little, you know, five, uh, the receiver going to be catching the ball uh, either behind the line of scrimmage with the little uh, touch pass or, or going to be catching the ball within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that's going to happen more often for them. But the question remains the same. How well do you stop what the opposition wants to do? How well do you stop it? Because let's be, let, let's be clear now. Yeah, the air raid is meant to get the get the ball out, get, you know, quick one one read and oh, I see this, go. They're also gonna throw some. They're also gonna throw some deep shots. If you're putting the ball in the air 58 times a game, 
you're going to find something that's going to go deep. So the question for both of these corner uh, groups becomes how well, how well do you stop what they are trying to do? I think that the safeties in both groups, phenomenal. I think the safeties in both groups are phenomenal. But the the difference, the difference here where I'm going to give NC State a slight edge, and trust me, I'm not being a homer here. I'm saying that I'm giving them a slight edge because Texas Tech has two really good safeties. NC State has two really good safeties and a really, really good nickel corner in Tyler Baker Williams. Those are guys that I'm looking at and I'm like, hey, listen, there's there's ball players. There's they got some dudes that can make some things happen as far as um at the end of the day, Tyler Baker Williams has, has shown, I think at this point, he's a guy that you would probably want to avoid offensively. I think that's the case. Again, when you look at Cyrus Fagan and you look at um and you look at uh Tanner Engel and you look at what they're bringing in terms of in terms of uh Dadrian Taylor, Demerson and and Marquise Waters, you're or waiters. I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um but when you look at what they're bringing, they they're bringing very similar things. I think that uh Cyrus Fagan is probably has I think that him and Dadrian Taylor are kind of like it, those two are the ones. The ball skills are there. They can, they can do some things in coverage that I think are exceeding what uh, Waters and, and what Waiters or Waters and Ingle um, can do in terms of coverage. But they're not exactly the same guy in terms of being as physical as their counterparts. So I think that NC State takes a slight, very slight edge, if not a push, on the uh, on the secondary. But that's that's my assessment here. That's what I think is going on here. Stick with me. We're going to get into Ken's keys and we're going to land this thing. All right. So, folks, I think that this is clear. I think that there's uh, some some really, really clear things that NC State needs to do in order to win this game. I think that there's some things that if NC State is to win it, these are things that has to happen. Has to, has to, has to happen. I've talked about this already. Devin Leary against ECU played his worst game in a thousand days. Worst game in a thousand days. Literally. Not, not, not being hyperbolic at all. Worst game in a thousand days. He cannot have a repeat of that. He can't. He can't. I, I think that this team is better than Texas Tech. I don't think that they're as much better than Texas Tech as they are to ECU, and you cannot allow this quarter this quarterback, Devin Leary, cannot have that type of game again, or else it's going to be a problem. So I would say that Devin Leary's QBR has to be at least, at least a 65. Uh, I think that's the first key here. That's That's going to go a long way in terms of he is the the start and finish of everything. When you think about NC State, he's the guy. He's the guy. That's there's no way around that. There's no way around if this team wants to do what they want to do, what they talked about doing, what people are predicting them to do, he has to have a really great he has to have really good to great games on occasion. He needs to do that. He needs to do that. And this is one of those games where I think he has to be at least at least um, really good. And so I'm going to go with QBR of 65 in this game. QBR takes all things into account. So we'll see how that goes. The second thing, I've talked about this game being a big question mark for 
or a big answer game for how good is our running game. I need to see at least 125 rushing yards. That's another part of this because the reality is when we look at what this system is and what it does and what we want to do, in order to take the, the deep shots, in order to set up the deep shots, you have to run the ball first. And don't get me wrong. I think our offensive line is good in terms of pass protection. They have some studs on that defensive line that if you allow them to tee off, if you repetitively get in second and long, third and long situations, it's going to be a long day. However, if you're rushing for 150 or 125 plus yards, uh, what you're looking at is a situation where they can't just tee off, tee off, tee off because there's you have to worry about the running game. And that is what those outside linebackers, as prolific as they are, as prolific as Wilson is, yeah, that's a ball player there. That's a ball player. As prolific as he is, he has never – his best asset has never been against a run. So maybe take advantage of that. And, again, Demi Sumo, the question is, is coming for how good are you actually at breaking tackles, at keeping your balance and all the things. It's, it's coming in this game. The next thing I want to talk about, because I've already talked about uh, the, the situation – of you want to be ahead of the sticks, they have to limit penalties. This offense, if they get in situations where there's a bunch of really bad, really stupid penalties that come up and keep this team in second and long, third and long, third and a mile, all that good stuff, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. Like that is, I'm, I'm telling you right now, that's what's going to put this offensive line in a situation where it's not even so much as like they get exposed, but it is they would have too much pressure on them. And again, Devin Leary would have to be even better than good in order to win that. So I'd I'd say offensively, keep it under 40 uh, penalty yards. I would say under 40 penalty yards for the offense is the, the goal there. And when I go over to the defensive side of the ball, I've talked a lot about, the fact that they have a quarterback that is unproven. Y'all know me. Y'all know I am a big, big, big advocate of win that takeaway battle, you're going to win the games a lot. The numbers bear it out. The numbers bear out what happens when you win turnover battles. So they need to generate at least two turnovers, at least two turnovers. Again, you've got a young guy out there, quarterback. You've got young receivers out there in this system. This is this is prime territory for taking the ball away. It's prime territory for it. Again, the best thing about their offense is the thing that that uh, running gun offenses want to do. Least. They got two real good backs. They got two really good backs. If they were running out formations, they were coming downhill, no frills with with uh, with gap schemes. Hey, we'd be looking at a different situation. But they want to air the ball out. Good, let them. And make them pay for it. Make them pay for it. I need to see at least two turnovers. The second thing I want to see is to hold them under 350 passing yards. The reality is I know that that's a a very high amount of yards. You know what? I'm going to take that down to 300. 350 is is really high. I'm going to take that down to 300. This team is going to throw the ball around a yard. They're going to do that. But let me tell you, what the the running gun council is not only finding space that's open – but also counting on the fact that when they get the ball to their athletes in space, they'll break tackles. They'll break tackles. So when you see 
you know, all of the little bubble screens and receiver screens and all that, again, it, it counts on two things. Number one, that they're going to go one for one. Their blocker is going to negate your defender, which, again, defenses have to change the math in order to make that happen. The corner has to be so defining. I'm not going to be blocked, and I'm going to send you back to my help that it changes the math. But even beyond that, the whoever is whoever is the free guy, per se, in those situations, you got to come up and make some tackles, big dog. You've got to come up and make some tackles or else those wide receivers, it's, it's Katie Diaz at the doorstep. Strike up the band. They're going for six. So the last thing after those two is hold those backs to under 125 yards rushing. That is that. Actually, I'm going to take that down to 100. Hold under 100 yards rushing. And I'm saying this because, again, they've got two good backs. They've got two guys who are experienced, the most experienced part of their offense, really. they got two guys who are proven products, two guys that are big, strong, physical runners, that if they if they get started and we have a hard time stopping them, it's going to be a long day because at that point you've allowed them to set up. You've, you've had to um, make adjustments that are going to play right into the hands of the whole, hey, we just want to throw where their guys aren't. That's literally the, the entire philosophy of a lot of the running out. Throw it where they aren't. And I know that sounds simple and, and all that good stuff, but I promise you that's not the premise of a, a ton of systems. So those are the keys for this game. Devin Leary has to have a QBR of 65 or more. We need to rush for 125 yards or more. Uh, we need to have under 40 penalty yards offensively, of course, two turnovers. Uh, we need defensively, we need to force two turnovers. We need to hold them under 300 yards passing and hold them under 100 yards rushing. If those things happen, I am guaranteeing you it's going to be a great day for Wolfpack Nation. I'm guaranteeing you it's going to be some real slight work for the pack in this game. Thank you all so very much for coming out. You may be listening to this um, and the, the day before the game. I've got a second episode coming up where I finally dropped my prediction because some of y'all I've been talking about, oh, you you talking real high of Texas Tech. The line is 10 points. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I think about the line. I'm going to tell you what I think about the game. And I'm going to have some help breaking down what this Texas Tech team does well and what they don't do well from uh, somebody who watches them from a a fan and an analytical standpoint a little bit more than I have. So thank you all so very much for coming out. Peace and love, y'all. And as always, go Pack. Our Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.